on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Get ready to shopify your social presence. ShopPay rolls out to Instagram and Facebook. We discover some of the news about Google's manual action on discovering news. <laughs> Microsoft Ads says bye, bye, bye to manual CPC. And we reveal the hottest buzzword in baked goods as Greg's latest shopping experience really takes the cake. Don't worry. It's not what you think it is the next time you see us at PubCon toting around a human head doing interviews. <laughs> we introduce a new PSA section. PSA. The correct way to light a cigarette is not in the middle. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on February 12th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our Famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. All right, and we've got the whole gang here. Mark, Jess, what's going on with y'all? I have had some trouble in the past week, and I should not be allowed near stairs. (laughs) I am so clumsy, and I did not fall down an entire flight of stairs once this week, but twice. Oh, no. (laughs) Are you okay? My body hates me. I'm fine. My tailbone and my arm are a little bit sore. I um, was at my grandma's on Saturday and fell down her basement stairs. Oh, my goodness. Better you than her. Yeah, she doesn't go in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) And then leaving my apartment the other day, I put on my boots that were wet, and I slipped and fell down the stairs inside my apartment. So, yeah, I've always been a klutz, but twice in one week is pretty dramatic so i hope y'all have been having a much safer week than i have. yeah and thankfully the office is only one one level here yeah. jess what's up with you all right so i went to the aquarium this weekend with my little boy he's almost 17 months old it was his first time at the aquarium and we thought it would just be a really fun experience just to go we went at like 9 30 in the morning we were one of two families there it was awesome there's nobody there we're just like oh this will be cool something for him to see And I know that everybody always jokes like kids are like cats. They like to play with the box and not the toy inside and all that. We had that experience at the aquarium. He was just, he knows the word water. So everything was wawa, wawa, wawa. Like, yeah, but what's in the water? It's like we went to the aquarium (laughs) to see the water. So whatever, he was excited. I was happy. But then we had a moment outside. They have like a, a pool for harbor seals, rescued harbor seals. And they're swimming and whatever. And one just popped his head out of the water. And my son looks at it and goes, Meow. (laughs) So we had a really spot on educational experience at the aquarium. It was it was marvelous though. Lots of fun. What about you, Greg? Well, for me, I we're taking my kids over to a a sort of birthdayish celebration for their grandmother, and we were needed to make a cake. And so we were thinking, like, I'd make a cake part red for this for the Chiefs on the Super Bowl and part white for the Buccaneers because that was going to be their color of the uniforms. And so I'm like, well, buy some box cake mix for this. Usually I can whip something up from the ingredients around, like make a cake. I'm like, oh, I'll just use the box cake. So I went to Target. I had no idea what the currency of cake is. Do you know like what the most important thing, what's touted by all the cake makers? Fluffiness? Whips frosting? No. Everybody, <laughs> the currency of cake is moisture. Oh, And so I was in Target and I had to make a decision between the different types of moist that all the cake makers had to do. So Betty Crocker has super moist cake. <laughs> Duncan Hines had 
perfectly moist cake. Okay. And then mm. Pillsbury had moist supreme. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a flavor. Then you order a Taco Bell, all of the moisture. I was perplexed. I'm like, I don't know what level of moisture I want in a cake. And so oh, no. I ended up going with super moist and then perfectly moist. Oh, you went for two. I couldn't do yeah. moist supreme. Well, I couldn't I, do you it. You can't do it. Could be, I've been ruined because every time the word supreme follows another word, I just think of vermin supreme. What is that? He like was like technically ran for president, like was on the ballot in Florida, I think. Mm. Oh, probably won. Is he <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I had no idea. I hadn't bought cake in a while. And I just thought it was so funny. Everybody's like marketing their moisture levels. I guess you don't want a dry cake. I guess not. But we should just assume. And Duncan you Hines for the win. Soup. Oh, yeah. But the perfectly better? moist was on brand. Was it, it was perfect? very moist. <laughs> Gross. If you have a grievance to air or spicy take to share, anything you want to get off your chest, our phone lines are open. Visit call.marketingclock.com and leave us a voicemail, and then we might play it on next week's show. And we didn't tweet it out, but no callers last week, so we still have a shirt on the line. If mm-hmm. anybody wants, call.marketingclock.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to us. First up in the news this week, it is yet another week of Microsoft breaking away from Google as an ads product. And where we've seen Google turning manual CPC into a literal hero's quest to find it (laughs) and actually turn it on, like they want you to click through 10 different pages, 80 different warnings, and they're like, no, 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 you shouldn't do this. Not recommended. (laughs) (laughs) And there's tanking your optimization score. Microsoft took a very different approach, and they announced in what is weirdly enough a very Google move that they have plans to replace manual CPC completely, like completely gone, and it will be replaced with enhanced CPC by April, which is kind of a weird move for me. It doesn't sit right, like, because... Everyone's like mad at Google for taking away control from advertisers. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a weird move where everyone's like praising Microsoft for not following suit. And they're doing something which takes control over from advertisers. And I'm just kind of trying to process this. But we do have some time. It will start in March. They'll start transitioning all search, shopping, and DSA campaigns that are not currently using automated bid strategies to enhance CPC, or as we like to call it, eCPC. The timeline of this, it'll start happening early March, and then by April 5th, new campaigns will no longer be able to have manual CPC as an option. And then if you do not select an automated bid strategy for your campaign by April 30th, it will be automatically migrated to enhance CPC. And Microsoft is telling advertisers that we should be testing automated bid strategies now, which if you're one of the few who hasn't tested tested any automated bid strategies, you should. And they're trying to give as much guidance on this as possible, which is very nice that they're forcing us into something. They're trying to actually help us do it and help us accommodate the changes that they're making, which is, again, another reason why we love Microsoft. They have great support. But they made this like little graph of like which automated bid strategy you should use based on your objectives. And it's just like funny because it's, <laughs> I'm not going to jump from manual CPC to maximize conversions in one day. Like the very natural move is to test eCPC first. So For I sure. thought that was interesting. It's cool that they have it, but just kind of like what? Like that's a big jump to ask someone to make. From Microsoft, they cited the reason for this change, and I'm going to quote them. Advertisers using eCPC achieve 5 to 10% more conversions while maintaining their costs per acquisition. Using real-time and other rich auction signals, such as operating system, browser, bid modifiers, search queries, and more, helps search marketers and their clients stay on top of the dynamic advertising marketplace. End quote. And again, I totally agree with this. They are right to say that, but I still doesn't sit right with me that they're just forcing us, forcing this on us at 
this time. I know personally, I always opt for eCPC out of the gate. I'm rarely ever using manual CPC, but there are a few instances. I think, Jess, like you had a client where eCPC wasn't spending and the Microsoft reps just said, oh, that's probably because there's no conversions yet. We don't have data to actually do eCPC. Um, try switching it to manual CPC and the campaign started spending. Yep. So they better fix that <laughs> before they so. make that switch. <laughs> and that's the thing. And then the other thing from my perspective is that Google's like combining many bad changes at the same time. With Microsoft, we at least still get to see our search query data. So we can actually see how their automation is working firsthand. So that really isn't a concern like we would see if Google was to do something like this. My biggest concern with this is I'm hoping Microsoft does not follow suit with Google and how they're treating eCPC bids because in the past few weeks, I have seen my eCPC bids get a little bit out of control in some cases in Google where sometimes the actual like average CPC for a keyword is double what my manual bid is. So Microsoft, again, if you're forcing this on us, please do not take it to that extreme. And I'll end this news segment with a quote from friend Amalia Fowler at AE Fowler on Twitter. Micromanaging your bids isn't always a great idea, but manual CPC offers smaller or niche advertisers with less volume, more control. And that's the biggest thing of why you'd use manual over enhanced CPC. Totally agree. Thank you, Amalia. And thank you, Carolyn Leiden of Search Engine Land. Greg. I heard that this instance isn't the only time that you going manual is becoming against the manual this week. Absolutely, because Google is adding 12 new types of manual action penalties. And unlike normal manual action penalties that traditionally happen around the gamification, not the gamification, the gaming of the search results, these are specific to Google News and Google Discover. And if you don't know what a manual action is, it's not an automated penalty. It is a human reviewer that triggers the penalty. So very much literally a manual action here that's taken. It cannot be done algorithmically. So again, these are, these are all news and discover, and I'm going to run through the 12 specific penalties. And if there's anything that makes sense taking a little more time on, we will. But the first thing is adult themed content, which is pretty straightforward. Dangerous content, harassing content, hateful content. And just to clarify that, it's not like you just hate another football team or something mm -hmm. like that. So to quote Google, we do not allow content that promotes or condones violence or has the primary purpose of inciting hatred against an individual or group, including but not limited, limited to on the bias of the race or ethnic origin, religion, disability, age, nationality, veteran status, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, or any other characteristic that is associated with systemic discrimination or marginalization. So again, it's not like I hate Google ads <laughs> and then we get flagged. Wait, you don't hate Google ads? I actually don't. I, I really still, I love Google ads that much. I hate what they're doing to it, but still deep down. Oh, that's right. You like Google ads more than Google does. I Absolutely. And I will, I will take a lie detector test. Anyway. I have one. Hook <laughs> it right up. Yeah. Okay. Also, manipulated media, medical content, and it does not seem, just to clarify this, I'll read as well. It's not... I guess correct medical content is a good way to, to, to put it. So they've said it is the, we do not allow content from any site that contradicts or runs contrary to scientific or medical consensus and evidence-based best practices. So again, it's not like you're going to be wiped out because you have medical content. It's more so if you, you know, say, um, coffee cures corona or something like that then maybe you'll be gone if only that would be very nice i would be <laughs> yeah. totally fine so <laughs> yeah, me too. additionally and one that i think actually might hit some people here hit some publishers is misleading content and if it misleads users into engaging with content by promising a topic or story which is not reflected then that could trigger a manual penalty 
um, sexually explicit content, which I guess is different than adult. I'm not going to read why. It's there's. You can go read why if you want to. It's pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) Terrorist content. And another one that might actually hit some publishers is transparency. And to read what they say, visitors to your site want to trust and understand who publishes the content they are consuming and information about those who have written articles. That's why news sources on Google should provide clear dates and bylines as well as information about authors, the publication, the publisher, company, or network behind it, and contact information. So last few, if you have violence and gore content, and this was kind of a weird one, where they're like, we do not allow extremely graphic or violent materials for the sake of disgusting others. (laughs) It's it's funny that somebody's like, like, I'm going to disgust you. It's it's a weird way to put it. that's not really news anyway. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) And then vulgar language and profanity. So you won't be seeing any of Shep's stories in the news here. Your thoughts. What do you guys think about this? I think it makes sense. And I like that they explain Mm -hmm. the actual criteria. Because I feel like too much of the time they are rolling things out and not really explaining them to everyone who is creating content that powers their system. So I think... Yeah, make what changes you need to make for your product, but make sure you're properly explaining to content creators how they can adhere and like how they can be successful on your platform. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I don't have obviously any problem with this whatsoever, but it's I wouldn't want that job. Right? No, that person that's, a, that's, that's a reviewing this content and, and applying manual penalties over some of this stuff. No, thank you. But thank oh. you for doing it because we definitely need all of this garbage mm-hmm. gone. But yeah. And then you have to classify it and you're like, is this one sexually explicit or adult? Uh, like that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> you get a little flow chart. Yeah. Maybe they all have a flow chart in their cubicle of what is what. And it, I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're doing great work out there keeping us all safe and keeping the internet friendly and informative. So if but yeah, wouldn't want to be the one doing that. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Strong stomachs. And one final note on that. The fact that they're adding this infrastructure and really helping people out shows how important both news and discover may be. They're That's investing a, a lot here. And anytime we get more information as webmasters, I am all for it. So again, love this change here. Jess, What do you have? All right. Last up here in the news, y'all. The internet's fastest and most secure way to pay comes to Facebook and Instagram. And that is a quote from Shopify, who this week announced that for the first time, ShopPay will be available outside of the Shopify platform. So all Shopify merchants in the U.S. selling on Facebook and Instagram will soon be able to offer ShopPay to their customers as an option at checkout. And for now, this is only available on Instagram, but they did say in the coming weeks it will be available on Facebook, too. So you won't have to wait too long for that. I've never used ShopPay, but from what I understand, it's very, very easy. It saves all of your information and makes checkout super easy and convenient for folks. So, ShopPay is one of my favorite things in the world. It's so amazing. All you have to do is put in, you go to checkout and Mm -hmm. it can be any site out there. You type in your little code and you just buy instantly. It is awesome. It saves so much time, so much setup, and it really helps people that are smaller shops out there because you get to leverage this ease of use, really, Mm -hmm. where all I have to do, again, you set up once and then I just type in my little password and I can go buy anywhere instantly. That's really awesome. And they were touting a 1.72x higher conversion rate with this but from that the sounds of that i feel like i would 2x i would just convert twice i'd buy everything it just seems that easy but do you think that you're gonna then greg as a user of this are you gonna start shopping on facebook and instagram prob probably i mean not facebook because i don't have facebook oh, yeah. uh, but instagram <laughs> probably because mm-hmm. i'm i can't stress enough if you don't have a shop pay go check it out it is very very smart to allow this like from a Shopify standpoint, mm-hmm. you're an e-commerce software platform and you're giving this option that just nobody else really has or can. And you're allowing people that go through once to just kind of go on and scale across all these other businesses. It's really nice. And if I could see an ad on Instagram, go and just pay with Shop Pay. again, I can 
not see anything and just type four little four little digits in there and be on my way. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. I know. Like, I'm the worst. I I will click on an ad, be ready to buy something, and then I'm like, I have to type in my credit card yeah, number. Yeah, you have to get I'm off the couch. That. It's literally so real. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll look at it later on my computer because my browser saves everything. And then I'm like, uh, no. And yeah. you have to worry if this, this site's trustworthy and worry if it's secure. Again, in this case, this is another reason why if you are debating e-commerce platform shopify could be a clear winner Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and security is very important i know this firsthand after my doordash account was hacked last week and i had to a bill for 205 dollars at cvs and a hundred dollars at mcdonald's they ordered 40 chicken mcnuggets so i am all for secure payment platforms goodness maybe they'll extend beyond facebook and instagram and i hope that they do because again i had never used it but just hearing greg talk about it like that if greg's excited about something guys it's actually really great well i am because you want to you want to buy from small businesses Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it is annoying and i know how like first world problem that seems to say it's annoying to set up an account put in all your information all the time but you can go to any of these sites and it's just instantaneous it's as easy as buying from amazon and that's one of the benefits Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and it's clear evidence that facebook cares about small business oh, of this no. rollout to Facebook. Get out of here. <laughs> Whatever. Shopify merchants rejoice and Mark, shut up. <laughs> now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week we have a take off. First take off of 2021 where we line up a bunch of takes and pit them against each other and these are going to be all related to the broad match modified change that we heard last week so first up from kyle munson at kyle munson on twitter he's responding to barry schwartz and he said why is google using such a terrible example of bmm plus moving plus services, plus NYC, plus two, plus Boston, to make their point. That keyword goes against all best practices for BMM. Oh, wait, I see what they're doing here. One step closer to a single match type. So that is Kyle with the first take. Next up from Steve Hammer. And this is during this week's PPC chat, which you should definitely check out. If you missed it, check out the PPC chat roundup with Anu podcast and this comes from steve and steve says i'm still not happy because i'd actually prefer it to be bmm that was retained over phrase it's going to be hard to explain to newbies because phrase isn't phrase exact isn't exact words mean nothing so that was steve (laughs) next up i snuck myself in here i probably shouldn't put myself behind steve but I said, new match type name change request for Google Ads. Broad match goes to aggressive match. Phrase match goes to expanded match. Exact match goes to conservative match. I'd feel much better if the names adequately represented the meaning. And I just like, wanted to say aggressive in there. And people are like, mm-hmm. well, you shouldn't well, use aggressive. I'm like, I know, it's a joke. It's my just thing aggressive. <laughs> like, I'm afraid of broad match, but using the term aggressive makes me want to use it because <laughs> I'm such an aggressive person. And next up is from Julie Bacini at Neptune Moon on Twitter. And she, she is responding to Gil Hong. And Gil said, it made me think about the old standard. 15% of all queries are new statement that was given a long time ago. I wonder if that rate has changed and contributed to some of these changes. And Julie came in and said, I will be interested to see how hard the push to use plain old broad match is after this is in full effect. Because I can feel that is coming. Improve your optimization score 70%. And then Add let- broad match. <laughs> oh, oh, Mark! <laughs> And then lastly, which again is tangentially related from Mark Irvine at Mark Irvine 89 on Twitter. He says, in a joke that writes itself, Google matched the exact keyword SEO to the search term website as a close variant, which is incredible. That's literally broad match. It's 
I wouldn't even guess it would match that on broad match SEO to website for I, exact match. I feel like like broad match is anything you could possibly put in a bucket together. <laughs> like websites <laughs> have SEO. Okay. Okay. So first up, the takeoff: Kyle Munson. Second, Steve Hammer. Third, Greg Finn. Fourth, Julie Bacchini. And fifth, Mark Irvine. Jess, your vote. Ah, uh, I mean. I want to give it to Mark because he was able to see that the search term was website and he should get points for that visibility. And Mark? I can't believe you're asking me to give an opinion. Um, we don't influence. You yeah. make the call. Um, honestly, I have to give it to you, Greg. Wow, the thanks. Ter- aggressive match really won me over. <laughs> <laughs> well... I'm the tiebreaker, and I'm giving it to Mark. The fact that you can <laughs> exactly match SEO with website is one for the ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we couldn't give it to Julie because it was too horrifying and too true. Too real. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. And now it's time for this week's I See. Why am I? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have I See. Why am I? From BFF of the show 2020, Andrea Cruz at Andrea Cruz 92. Trying to guess the target audience of your competitors on LinkedIn ads? Go to the their ads on their LinkedIn page and see the job titles, functions, and bios and skills of the people who have engaged with the ad. It's a very manual process, but worth it when clueless about skills or groups to target. And this has changed a little bit. So I included some screenshots we'll throw up on YouTube. But basically, you go to the LinkedIn page and you scroll down to where their posts are. And you can click a filter at the top that says ads. And I was trying to open this in a new tab and couldn't do it. And Greg did. And it's pretty simple. You just (laughs) click the three dots at the top of the post. And it'll give you the option to copy the link to the ad. And then you can open that in a new tab. And then you can see all of the reactions to the ad or any comments. And if you hover over the person's profile picture, their job title will show up and you can click on their profile and stalk that person if you'd (laughs) like to learn more for your targeting. (laughs) It is an extremely manual process. So this is definitely more of a last resort if you're completely lost because it will take a lot of work. But you can get a general sense of who they're targeting. I think the other really good hack that's related to this is if they're not using lead gen forms, but actually sending someone to a landing page, you can click on the ad and then look at their UTM parameters. And if they have anything about the targeting in there, it'll be in the UTM parameters. I'm always so afraid people are doing that to me, but I need... I know. That's the problem with I have amazing naming conventions. And I'm just like, oh, if anyone was ever smart enough to look at this, Mm -hmm. my clients would be exposed. I am sorry, but we need clean naming conventions so that salespeople can see where this lead came from. It's a give and take. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic and social. First up in the paid news this week from Peter Adams of Marketing Dive at PatchAdams03 on Twitter. Pinterest has a present for us paid people. It's first ever advertiser summit called Pinterest Presents. The event will be hosted virtually on March 3rd, so stick a pin in that if you want to attend. (laughs) There will be regional-specific content tailored to the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, Australia, Canada, and possibly more. And the speakers will include lots of people from the Pinterest executive team, as well as some fashion and entertainment influencers who are yet to be announced. The main goal of this summit, you asked, is to highlight Pinterest e-commerce capabilities, create a positive and inspiring environment for advertisers, and position Pinterest to advertisers as a sales driving as well as a brand safe advertising platform, which is so important to be able to combine those two things together. It's really the all in one package. Yeah, I just have a problem with the name. I don't love it. I get the alliteration Pinterest presents, but I feel like they could have done better. 
I can't do oh. better right now. I'm trying. Can't think of anything. Okay, let's stick a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd come up with another Pinterest pun, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> Should have Pinnacle in there, right? Yeah, there Pinnacle. you go. And it could See? be sponsored by Pinnacle Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, Mark. Is this SponCon, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> For the worst ever flavors of vodka that you would never want to drink in your life. Stick to my coffee. <laughs> they have a flavor for that. Also, live now from your very own Marketing O'Clock team. If you're not tired of listening to us, um, well, actually, also if you're tired of listening to us, because we had some awesome guests on this. <laughs> so go over to our YouTube channel. There is a new Marketing A Talk episode, a look back on 2020's significant Google Ads changes and how to have success in 2021. Greg and I had the absolute privilege to meet with Ginny Marvin and Anu Agdabula to discuss the latest with Google Ads. They're two amazing people that know so much about PPC. It was really great to talk to them. So it's a really great time with Google Ads over there. And speaking of Google Ads, you know it's time for our segment, Beyond Google Ads. Google doesn't care about you. But we do. And this week, if you are one of the people that was chugging Pepto-Bismol after hearing Mark Irvine's tweet matching SEO with website, (laughs) and you miss the days of matching actually matching what it says, just a quick reminder that you can set up keyword matching in Pinterest, and you can match broad match, phrase match, and exact match. And one friendly reminder that exact match matches as close to as exact as exact should be. There is plurals. Groundbreaking. Plurals, is it? That's it? Yes. So if you do a exact match for kitchen design, it could show up for kitchen designs, but it can't show up for kitchen design ideas. So they actually have things labeled appropriately and i know everybody is people have called basically me a baby that's how i take it and that hasn't (laughs) necessarily been like that saying we've seen these changes coming with google ads for a long time now i know i'm aware doesn't make i think i said it makes sense 15 times on the podcast yesterday my problem is the naming of it and continually making things worse. And if you want something named correctly that works correctly, why don't you give Pinterest a spin and take some of those terms that work for you and give it a test? Mm -hmm. Pinterest presents match types. I have an interest in Pinterest. (laughs) 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 All right, that rounds up the paid news this week. Greg, what's interesting and organic? Well, we have an interesting tweet from J.R. Oaks on Twitter, and I never know. It's one of those tough ones when you see Jr. I don't know if it's ever Junior. You know, oh, is it Junior, junior Oaks? Oaks? Yeah, that's okay, a v- very tough actor. Don't give your child the, the initials Jr. <laughs> I believe it's Jr. So Jr. found some code in Google that is looking like there might be a new search engine results page feature highlighting results that have a good page experience. So it looks like it may show up in the performance report. So what happens now in there is you can see things like a licensable image or anything that you can sort by. And so because he found this code, it seems like there might be a differentiation in the SERPs if you have good page experience. It's, uh, again, kind of a hack right now, but important that not only might there be a tiebreaker or a little bit of a ranking additive there, mm-hmm. but also you just might have a better looking result that can maybe keep your ranks at the same level, but potentially increase your click-through rate. Yeah, and I love when people are rewarded for doing a good job. Me too. All right. And next up is a post from Chris Long on how to fix Shopify duplicate content. If you are having a duplicate content issue, Chris Long over on GoFish Digital runs through a variety of different ways to fix this, some of the pagination issues, tag pages, and the duplicate uh, 
product pages. So, and I believe somebody had responded from Shopify as well, saying that this is a fix is going to be in on the way after Chris posted that. So again, they're actually trying very hard to make a a good software over there. And from Glenn Gabe, BFF of the show, 2019. He had a post over on Search Engine Land called The Quest for More Coverage, Making a Case for Larger Exports from Google Search Console's Coverage Reporting. And right now, you can only export 1,000 rows at a time, and it limits the ability to see patterns on larger scale sites. And so Glenn put out a survey, well, a, a big long post explaining why it's needed, and then a survey as well. So if you are looking for more information, Glenn has a couple quick questions to fill out, just a poll and go help. And hopefully we can get more to be exported. And then lastly here, YouTube is adding a button to quickly make TikTok style videos. It is currently only available to users in India. So I'm going to have to hop on my Winscribe VPN and go (laughs) check out my personal, what is it? What was it called? Like a person card? I've got one of those. Oh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a business card. I mean, was like it? it was a business card, but they like it wasn't call it called that. that. Yeah. And we'll have everything over available at Marketing Clock. Sign up for the newsletter. We get all the links to everything we talk about each week. Sign up once and you get it every week, including this. And that's it for organic. Jess, what's happening in social? Absolutely nothing this week. I have no stories. All right. First up, if you listened last week. It sounded sarcastic. It was. You picked up on that? Mm -hmm. How many times (laughs) is Andrew Hutch in here? I I lost count. (laughs) But there's other sources as well. It's going to be a wild ride, so stick with me. (laughs) All right. For anyone that listened last week, and I hope that's everyone, you know that the magic number was 22. But this week, you can bet your horses on 62 because that is the percent of revenue increase that Snapchat saw year over year. And the platform also saw daily active users rise by 16 million in Q4 of 2020. So moral of the story here is people are using Snapchat. Yeah. And they have a great ads platform. And people are also using Pinterest, who beat the pants off of Snapchat with a 17 million daily active user increase in Q4. So for those of you without calculators, that's one whole million more. The platform also boasted a 76% increase in Q4 revenue compared to Q4 of 2019. That is a very big jump. So the bottom line here from both of these platforms is people are using them and they're not just on Facebook. These platforms are also making banks. So hopefully we will see them throw some of that money at cool new features for brands and advertisers. So PSA, I I know we say it all the time. We just said it in beyond Google ads. Don't ignore these networks for your endeavors. That would be a mistake. It would. All right. Next up from The Verge, Mark Cuban is getting into the podcast space, quote, alongside co-founder Fallon Fatemi. He is planning to launch Fireside, a next gen podcast platform that facilitates live conversation, end quote, and monetization, which I tacked on there. So there's not a ton of details out there yet about this, but apparently there will be multiple ways for creators to monetize. And there, it's not just going to be a place where anyone can go and speak publicly. It'll be a highly curated experience, as they said. So in other words, you're more likely to get backstage at a poison show. But I think the logo is really cute. <laughs> I'm on a rock of love kick. I can't. <laughs> Are you still watching that show? I just finished season two last night, and then I decided I'm not going to watch season three because it looks like garbage. Is that the one Daisy one? She didn't win. Spoiler no spoilers. alert. Oh. Yeah. I haven't watched yet. I need to catch up. <laughs> well, Daisy doesn't win. <laughs> she comes very close, and she won my heart. Anyway, the logo for Fireside is really cute, and I like the name, but I don't really have much to say about this because I feel like I'm not going to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like the Tinder logo with like a weird shape on it that I know is supposed to be a log, but it looks more like the Switch like on your iPhone. I thought oh, that's yeah. what it's supposed to be. Oh, is like that you're turning on a fire chat, but it's everything at once. I think they need to do like a V2. Okay. Wow. You guys are really like, what is it? A Rorschach test or whatever? Because to me, this was just a log. So. <laughs> I thought it was the end of a cigarette. Oh, cute. It's burning from the middle. Because they're smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do not, PSA, do not let your cigarettes in the middle if you smoke cigarettes. It doesn't work that way, kids. <laughs> and now, people, I bring you Instagram Reels, a saga. 
And while sagas are epic, reels really aren't, apparently. So here's what is going on with them. First, from CNN Business, Instagram is realizing it's not so easy to knock off TikTok, which is the title of the article and a total missed opportunity because they spelled realizing regularly and they totally should have said realizing. So as it stands now, Reels is pretty much a regurgitation of TikTok content. I think anyone that uses it knows that, although not a lot of folks are using it. So there's that. And then there's the one reel that I made, which may be the only original piece of content out there on Reels. <laughs> and it's my favorite. Is <laughs> that cheese at a pillow? Or what did you do? I did. I threw a piece. I threw a uh, like a mozzarella cheese stick at a pillow with a squirrel on it because people were throwing mm-hmm. cheese at cats on yeah. TikTok. I wanted to change it up. They played it at Sundance. <laughs> Mine? <laughs> No, they didn't, but thank you. So what Instagram is going to do about that problem, who knows, from The Verge and shared by Matt Navarra, the algorithm, the Instagram algorithm will be cutting the reach of reels with the TikTok watermark. And Matt also says that IG will limit the reach of reels if they are blurry due to low resolution, contain watermarks or logos from other apps, i.e. TikTok, have a border around the video, or the majority of images are covered by text. What I love about Matt is that he follows up with a pro tip of how you can remove the TikTok video <laughs> logo from <laughs> your video. So if you are really into making TikTok videos and you want them on Reels and you don't want to be demoted on Instagram, then go ahead and check this out. We'll have the link in our newsletter. Yeah. So It's great that they fun. didn't copy TikTok's model for <laughs> re- regulating content, we want to say. Yeah. yeah so that's at nice. least they're being original there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have all the cracks in the walls that you want, but don't you dare put text over your image. All right. In general, and this is also from The Verge, Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, says that he's not happy with Reels yet and might consolidate video formats. So to quote him, he said, we have to be honest that TikTok is ahead, end quote. And I love that self-awareness. Hopefully they'll use it as fuel to innovate and differentiate themselves. But so far, all I'm seeing is from social media today that Facebook may soon enable users to share their Instagram Reels to Facebook Watch. Jess, it almost feels like people don't like reels. Right? And you know who's really not going to like them is the people on Facebook. Like, my mom's not going to watch that. Who else is on Facebook? This is the first I'm hearing of Facebook watch. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, cross-pollinating content is not the solution to all of your problems. Like, they're trying to make Facebook and Instagram and Messenger, like, distinct apps under the Facebook brand, yet they're also connecting every little single thing. And I'm just confused. There's a fundamental problem where so many people are making content on TikTok and they're not letting it cross-pollinate over to Reels and then nobody's making the content on Reels but they're like, "Oh, cross-pollinate it over to Facebook Watch." Right. It's, it's a, insanity. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about last week what Instagram was doing where they might be taking away putting your feed posts in stories, which is something unique. It's a unique to Instagram format, and people are using Instagram to share it. Like, mm-hmm. why take that away? And they just don't know. something that directly hurts small businesses. Facebook doesn't care. All right. Moving on to TikTok, the real short video platform with rude standards. They have some new e-commerce features that are coming soon, according to Financial Times and reported in social media today by Andrew Hutch, coming in clutch, Mark, since you asked. TikTok will soon offer several things, including a tool that lets its most popular users share links to products and automatically earn commission on any sales, the ability for brands to showcase catalogs of their products on the platform, love that, and live stream shopping or a mobile phone version of television shopping channels where users can buy goods so with a few taps after seeing them showcased by TikTok. We got to get Shep on TikTok now. Oh gosh, right? I was about to say that. <laughs> by <laughs> QVC. It is the QVC of phones? Go buy, social media. <laughs> yeah. Go buy a candle. Go buy a candle. All right. Big things on the horizon for anyone selling to Gen Z. I love to see it. Also on the horizon for TikTok is more tunes. In a new expanded global alliance with Universal Music Group, TikTok is positioned to give users access to UMG's full catalog of music. So you know the kids are already dancing to that news because that's a lot of songs. And this announcement comes just days after UMG pulled their catalog from Triller for, quote, shamefully withholding payment to artists, which is really sad and rude, but nobody's really talking about Triller. So I don't know. There's a lot of drama with this. People are talking about Triller in this sense. So smash that subscribe button to the newsletter and get all the drama in your inbox. 
and the news. <laughs> Next up from Bloomberg, Twitter is apparently considering a subscription model for TweetDeck as well as a tipping feature to let users pay for exclusive content. And to quote the article, it is because the bird is looking for ways to, quote, ease its dependence on advertising, end quote. And oh, my God. I know. I know. And I even wrote in here, Greg, we don't have time for you to rant. But like spend five minutes improving your platform and you could probably survive on advertising. If you (laughs) could target a location, it'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) We won't get into it, but it's there, people. All right. Finally, if you're like me and you didn't watch the Super Bowl, you missed an amazing stunt by Reddit who decided to spend our entire marketing budget on five seconds of airtime. And I say our because that last part was a quote. (laughs) They made a sick ad that basically looked like they hacked into the mainframe and took over television, all to just show a post or what looks like a post titled, wow, this actually worked. And if you're watching on YouTube, we've got the ad up for your reading pleasure, or you can get it, a link to it in our newsletter. But I just think that that's amazing, A, that they spent money just to get a five second spot and that they just basically wanted to show that they're rebels with a cause and here they are they can do whatever they want and I love it you Question. can read the whole thing if you want what did you do instead of watch the Super Bowl um when was that Sunday yes the whole Sunday <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember I think I was in bed by 9.30 wow I certainly well the game oh, started no, at I do know. yeah no so we had dinner as a family we gave the kiddo a bath put him to sleep and then I've been playing a lot of roller coaster tycoon so I'm 90% sure that that's what I was doing at the time I love that evening. (laughs) That is so on brand for you. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? (laughs) Get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. Have you ever been listening to a podcast and thought to yourself, wow. This is great, but I feel so disconnected from the conversation. I wish it sounded as if the hosts were in my kitchen with me as I drink coffee in my underwear. Well, you're in luck. (laughs) iHeartRadio is committing to creating a series of podcasts recorded in binaural audio under the name iHeart3D Audio. The podcasts are recorded with microphones shaped like a human head or a pair of ears, so it sounds just like it would in real life, as if you were there. I thought this was a joke. Yeah. It is so creepy to see these microphones. We're not getting them, are we? We, I almost you, w- wait. Okay, poll to our <laughs> listeners. Call in to call up Mark Nicklock to tell us if you want us to use I, microphones shaped like ears. I will Human buy. Heads. I will buy a three D microphone. We're all gonna have to like huddle around this thing and be like, "Do you want to be in the left ear or the right?" It's so strange. It's like a human head, actual ears. Wait, it would it's be weird. hilarious if like someone had to wear it. So if we had like Katie stand <laughs> in the middle of the room and has like the ears on, collecting, it's like reverse headphones. You wear them, but they collect. Audio. <laughs> the thought is cool. Like it has to actually make it through this ear channel drum, and it's supposed to sound different. I listened to a bunch of the examples. They do sound very unique like if you're outside especially there's an example in new york city on the street and you can just hear everybody in certain locations almost like you're there but i don't know why you need it for podcasts i mean you could just record in this room and get all the street sounds anyway we don't need that <laughs> hey boss <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's it's really like a cool idea and something different to differentiate your podcast but I don't know. That's not really how I listen to podcasts. Like if I'm listening to a podcast, like I'm either like working, I'm driving somewhere, I'm in my shower. If it sounded like I actually was there, it would be creepy. Like I don't want to be driving my car by myself on a road trip and be like, whoa, some, someone's in my back seat talking to me. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. We should do that though. Much. When conferences are back open, we should get a human head because it looks like a human head. No, but not, not a real human, a human head. head. Just yeah. to be clear, we are not. Not a real human head. What do you guys think I am here? We get the human head microphone that's like a faceless head with ears that are mics, and we walk around the conference floor, like the expo hall, and we just interview people. And it's like, here, talking to this head. I like that. Wait. Oh, my gosh. 
I I'm in love with this idea. It's great. Right. We need conferences back. Yeah. Everybody drink your reason. everybody drink I, your coffee so we get rid of Corona. The, like, YouTube channel is or whatever, but like there's this like fake news like not like fake news as in like fake news, but like fake as in like parody news channel and they like go to like music festivals and things and pretend to be a reporter and ask like really insane leading questions I or they'll like this. make up a band name and be like, Do you know this band? Aww. I and like the people talk about the band that like isn't real do. because they want to look cool. I feel like it would be very bad. I would just love it. Imagine we 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 track down Barry Schwartz and like start asking him a question. He has to speak into this human head. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Wait, Barry. can we make it like have eyes that blink? So they're oh, trying yeah. to like yeah. talk to this human head, and then it just like blinks, and they're like. <laughs> Yeah, can we, we should get a torso what, and put on. one of our cool marketing clock t-shirts on it. Yeah, Nicolas Cage mask over the face. Perfect. <laughs> and speaking of Barry, um, Azim Digital Ass had a fantastic interview on his podcast with Barry Schwartz. Barry's inhuman. You need to listen to his work ethic on the show. If you missed it, check it out. It is a fantastic listen. And working with him at Third Door Media, I can attest everything is true. Like you'd wake up and he'd have everything laid out for the day. It is incredible. So I don't know why I mentioned Barry, but check out that show over on Azim Digital Ass. And now on to our segment segment here. This comes from PS, this is called PSA, and it comes from PPC Greg. And he tweeted out, PPC Chat, do your clients have access into the Google Ads? And if so, at what level? If not, why? I answered pretty quick because there's only one right answer to this. If you're spending money as a client, you should have access to your ads account. And a disclaimer out there, if you have hired an agency and you don't have access, that is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time we've taken something over that has had no visibility, there have been billing discrepancies. There has been long-term, just you know one I'm talking about, long-term almost half year with no changes happening in here. There's usually something being hidden. So in general, just a PSA, if you don't have access to your Google Ads account, somebody's running it for you, that is not the way things work. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's heartbreaking to see and stealing. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I use Google Sheets for a lot of my client reporting because it is a really easy way to combine data from CRMs with data from ad networks without paying for a data integration software. And what I normally do is like export a list of leads and paste into Google Sheets and I can kind of use a bunch of like VLOOKUPs and some ifs to like run some crazy reports. The problem is I use the email address as a kind of like the common way to connect everything. And Google Sheets rolled out a new feature where if someone has a um, email address that's powered by Gmail, if you hover over their email address, a little thing pops up with the option to do a Google voice call, to email them, or start a Google Hangouts. And why do I need that in Google Sheets? First of all, terrible feature. I was just doing my everyday reporting and I was just clicking around in my cells and I accidentally started a Google Hangout video chat with one of my client's leads. And (laughs) it was like the most panicked I have ever been. I'm like, exit out, exit out, exit out. Like, what a terrible feature. I'm trying to process data. I'm not trying to call someone get rid of it please google literally no one asked for this you should have this to is turn insane that on. yeah it, it was insane be. i was i was i didn't know what to do besides just hit x i was smashing <laughs> the x button on that tab that was so scary we thankfully now, but... they were like in a completely different time zone and weren't ready to answer that but that was terrifying so jazz i hope your life has been a little bit less scary than mine much less i that did not happen to me thank goodness (laughs) because i'm not quick um but i do have a quickie here hopefully all y'all know this but 
if you use Yoast, you can add canonicals to your page with the Yoast plugin. So that's really handy. I was about to ask developers to do something for me recently and then did not have to because I could do it in Yoast. So it is the quickest thing ever. You don't even have to like write out the actual code. You just put in the URL for the canonical and Yoast does the rest for you. So if you didn't know about that, it is a hot tip. All right, now on my side, I was having trouble getting rid of all the mobile app placements for display campaigns. And I downloaded a bunch of, of I believe it's just a, a, a slew of mobile placements that PPC Protect offers. We'll put a link over again in the newsletter. In uploading these placements, Google kept erroring out. And I had to get to the point where I could only put like a few thousand up, which again is an issue because you can't just turn off mobile app um, placements. And it just is so frustrating that I can't get rid of app placements. And it's it's driving me crazy. So I'm going to try to figure out a couple different things. If I get anything that works really good, try to get something that we can kind of share and put out there for everybody else to exclude them all. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's Cool Tool is the free appointment and meeting scheduler from HubSpot. And absolutely no one enjoys the back and forth of scheduling meetings, especially group meetings with a lot of folks in them, a lot of calendars to look at. So this tool eliminates the need for that by syncing to your calendar and displaying your availability to your prospects. So it works with both Google Calendar and Office 365. Bonus points for being embeddable directly on your site and also for being able to use this feature to populate lists and trigger workflows with it. Really, really cool stuff. As the name suggests, it is free to use, but you do have to have a HubSpot account, obviously. But even the free version of HubSpot works with this. So if you're a HubSpot user at any level, head on over to HubSpot.com forward slash products forward slash sales forward slash schedule dash meeting. Or you can just grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Annie Cushing. She's back, and she has a post called Regex for Marketers, Plain English, Real-World Examples. And she has a video of everything you need to know about using Regex for marketing. And you just should go look at the video if you are interested, if you thought it was something that was too much to learn, Annie has it broken down and only the way that she could. So thank you, Annie. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after Famous Friday News Show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, we are going to be playing everybody's favorite game, Holiday Trivia. <laughs> we are here on the cusp of one of the most important days of the year, Valentine's Day. And so you <laughs> are going to be to me. <laughs> against each other. For Valentine's Day trivia, as told by Parade Magazine. So, oh, my favorite. I don't know if these answers are correct, but you have to take it up with Parade. So, first question From where was the oldest known Valentine's Day message sent? Are we buzzing in or what? Jess. Yes? Yes. Um, (laughs) Italy. It's, oh, okay. I didn't completely hear the question. (laughs) Mark your thoughts. I have a better answer, but he can go first. Um, You have one answer and you're done. Well, wasn't it Saint... Greece. 
No. Okay. The answer is from the heart. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. It is ac- the answer is actually prison. What? Prison. Oh, wait. Who's yeah, prison? Yes, yes, yes. I had to watch this every year going to Catholic elementary school of like, it was like St. Valentine was in prison. Aww. Right? And like, that's how it started. I don't know. Every I mean, time we drive past a prison, my husband reminds me that I'm not allowed to write letters to inmates. <laughs> I, I you know what? In, in audience, folks, this you, is just you, for Valentine's Day. Why? And folks, you think that like Jess wouldn't need to be reminded of this? No, Jess does. Her husband is correct. Like Jess does need to know that. He better hope okay. he never goes to prison. Next question. No Valentine for him. What do yellow roses symbolize? Beep. Mark. Friendship. Correct. Mark is winning one to nothing. Next up. Good Charlotte's My Bloody Valentine was inspired by what story? Beep. Jess. The film My Bloody Valentine. Incorrect. Mark, <laughs> your thoughts? Um. <laughs> um. He listens to Simple Plan, not Good Charlotte, Greg. He's not going to know this. Incorrect. The correct answer was a garbage truck going down the street. No, it was actually it was actually a Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. I thought oh, you might have got that. I one. love that poem. I love there that. There is, well. uh, uh, yeah, that makes okay. sense. I was and just gonna throw out some random massacre. Closest here gets it. Jess, you need this to get it to final to extra rounds here. Okay. How many people typically buy Valentines for their pets? Mark, I'll let you go. Jess, go first. I have to get it right. Is this what is uh is this a percentage? It's a number. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mark just doesn't know how to play closest match games. So her guess was zero people get their pet a Valentine. Do you have a guess that can be closer to the right answer? Mm-hmm. Guess negative so I can win. I'm going to say round. 10 million. 9 million. So wait, he oh, went over wait. Price is Right. I went extra. <laughs> no, nope, we didn't clarify that these are Price is Right rules. So Mark wins two to nothing, and we will see you next week. Ruin my balance. Zero. Day.